Hello, hello, and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Gilly Gills, and let's get into it on today's episode. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you think in the silence of the night and all you hear is, We are the champions. (laughs) Yes, the Champions League is back. European football is back. It has graced my television screen in the middle of the fucking workday. Shout out to you, time zones. Um, Over the past week, three days in a row, Tuesday, Wednesday, and yes, yes, I am watching football on Thursdays. My team is in the Europa League. Ha, ha, ha. Laugh at Liverpool. I get it. Um... However, it provides excellent quality football, excellent uh, matchups, very, very interesting games took place this week. There's a couple that caught my eye. Um, I'm going to be speaking about the goings-on mostly of Wednesday and Tuesday, but I, I I have to get involved here. First things first. Manchester United I alluded to it uh, in the previous episode I was recording while the United v Brighton game was on Brighton kicked their ass they kicked their teeth in as I fully expected obviously the first 25 or so minutes were quite competitive however Brighton they just play better football at this moment in time they are a well a more well drilled better coached more cohesive team that plays with I mean, they, they seem to have fantastic harmony in and amongst the club, in the squad. Big players go, new players come in, and they just keep it churning in year after year at this point. Um, we'll see how high they can go. They finished sixth last season. Can they go go further? They've started very, very well this season. Uh, we'll see what happens. And they went to Old Trafford, and they won two years in a row for the second year in a row i believe they've beaten united four times in a row ridiculous stuff so they they have the red devils by the balls pretty much um it went a little something like this danny welbeck like i said that first goal just excellent football all around just just oh man just take your breath away kind of stuff if you're a purist if you love football if you love the beautiful game that's a kind of goal that you'd always want to see even just the dummy uh not the, well i guess the dummy the step over the he lets the ball go danny Welbeck scores up against united his old club i believe he, he came through the academy there um and bada bing bada boom brighton were flying uh hoyland a little bit later on did have he his goal got chalked off unlucky for him um and Pascal Gross sits down Alessandro Martinez to score the second, and United's heads dropped immediately. That's a very, very worrying sign. Not only all the shenanigans and all the bullshit happening off the pitch with the Anthony Sancho situation, all of that is just, it's a mess. And you can just tell the morale around the club, the it's just bad, bad, bad news for United. It puts a smile on my face, I cannot lie. Um... And then it was 3-0 <laughs> a little bit later on. Jao Pedro, I believe, came off the bench. It was a nice little cutback from Tariq Lamptey, who found himself in acres of space on the left flank. And boom, he cuts it back. Jao Pedro with a nice little cut across the open foot uh, into the back of the net. I really think Onana should have saved that more on Onana later. 
and boom, Brighton were up 3-0. It was pretty much game over. You could tell that United's head dropped after the second goal. After the third, it was game over. This kid, uh, Hannibal, comes in and he pings one in from a mile out. An absolute beautiful shot. However, it was way too little, way too late for United at that point. And they lose their third game in five to start the season awful form awful 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 form and <laughs> the fixture guards are very unkind they gave them Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena three days later uh, and I'll get into that game let's get into that game uh, that was it finished with a lot of goals but it's probably uh, I saw a comment online that said that this was probably the worst or three that you've ever seen in your life it, it was not a very good game by any means the first goal was uh, indicative of that immediately right off the bat Onana uh, well Bayern obviously as you would expect as you would expect from a United team playing against a top up top opposition at any point any top six team that they play it should actually probably be top nine team at this point. The way United have been absolutely horrible away from home, um, up against uh, top half of the table opposition, ridiculous stuff. Um, so you would expect them to sit in deep. They actually press Bayern. They actually press them. I can't say well. I cannot say well. The first couple of minutes they started the brighter of the two. Bayern don't look that good. I think they'll get better as the season goes on as they click as they get over that Lewandowski hangover that that they suffered from last season uh, no more Chipomating starting up top um, even though he banged in a few goals he's not he's not Lewandowski and he's not Harry Kane Harry Kane is the guy there he makes it shake uh, and Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry if they can they both started um, if they can have a resurgence, and I was very, very tough on them last season. If they can have a resurgence, we'll see Bayern walk the league and we'll see Bayern challenge in the Champions League. Um, however, they were gifted. This is not the kind of place that you go to give gifts. This is not Christmas time. I don't know what United were up to. I don't know what Onana was up to, but he gives them the opener. He, he gives it away. It's such a soft, easy shot. A simple layoff to um, to Leroy Sané. Leroy Sané takes a very, very tame shot. If it's quite possible, uh, and I don't want to be an asshole here, but I'm pretty sure a 16-year-old goalkeeper would have saved that in his sleep. It, it was such an easy opportunity, and Anana lets it slip under his body. 1-0 to Bayern Munich, and... Jeez, uh, uh, <laughs> I say oh geez because I don't like to see bad football, but bad football from your arch rivals, eh, kind of balances out. So I was enjoying it, of course. Not too long after that, Jamal Musiala, one of the best dribblers at pace, not necessarily at pace, but he runs with the ball. Superb. His, his uh, dribbling ability, his close control is fantastic. He's, he's got really quick feet and he drove through uh, I believe it was the left flank he lays it off to Serge Gnabry 2-0 a uh, nice little cutback and it felt like game over right then and there he, and that was maybe two or three minutes after the Onana blunder 
it felt like game over right then and there. And you wouldn't be have been surprised at that moment in time if Bayern went on and won 4-5-0. No. Bayern from three years ago wins this game about 6-0. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the same Bayern team that put eight past Barcelona in one fucking game. So, yeah, they Bayern, Bayern aren't nearly as ruthless as they were before, even though they did end up scoring four goals in this game. Defensively, they're still poor. They were poor last season defensively. I think they'll still be poor this season defensively. Uh, it's not. They're not all the way there. But I think if uh, Kim uh, Kim J Kim and J, uh, who Bayern brought from Napoli, he was their big signing um, outside of Harry Kane, of course. If he can form a quality partnership with Upamakano or Delict then I think Bayern will probably start to sort their shit out. Alfonso Davies, obviously a fantastic athlete. We're not talking about him as though he's the best left back in the world anymore. Um, so th- there's there's a lot of these guys have fallen from their peak. Uh, Serge Gnabry being one of them, obviously. Leroy Sané, I don't think he's he's ever really replicated that really early form that he had at Man City which made him look like a, he could have been the next superstar uh, German superstar so Bayern there's, there's a quite a few question marks and Emmanuel Neuer apparently is on his way back to, into the team so we'll see if he begins to start over Alreich or Alreich or I don't know how to say his name correctly um, who had a few blunders himself he wasn't he didn't cover himself in glory this game so there wasn't great goalkeeping there wasn't a great defending uh, Bayern kind of just eased their way to victory in this game even though the score line was pretty tight towards the end Hoyland I believe that was fresh after halftime Hoyland gets his first goal for United um, very nice passing move even though you, Bayern gives a ball away in their in their own defensive third so just the quality of play wasn't where you would expect it to be considering the names on show Bayern Munich the biggest club uh, in in Germany of course and Manchester United the most successful can I say that Uh, I don't know if I can say that but the biggest English club I'll I'll say that the biggest English club in the world Uh, possibly even the biggest club in the world but no I don't I don't think they touch Real Madrid, to be honest. Uh, in any case, um, a really, really harsh call on Christian Eriksen. Now, I'm not blinded enough to say that this was uh, uh, justified. I, I mean, his hand is in a, I can't say supernatural position, but it, it, come on. I mean, he's about a meter away from the ball. It's headed towards his hand and brrr, penalty. That's the difference between the Champions League officiating versus the Premier League. The Premier League, they wouldn't have given that as a penalty. They would have let that go. Champions League, they don't do that. Um, and as such, Harry Kane steps up, finishes uh, the penalty 3-1 to Bayern. Cruise control. They, they're chilling. And then they just open the door. Casemiro at some point, through sheer persistence, he's, he's juggling the ball. He falls. He hits it while he's falling. Just crazy play from a, from a defensive midfielder. He puts the ball into the back of the net. 3-2. And you're thinking, maybe? Just maybe? Because Bayern have been super wasteful. They hit the post a couple of times. They had... So many great counter-attacking opportunities that they wasted time and time and time and time again. 
However, they brought on this uh, young kid, Tal, who he, he what a, a vicious finish. Uh, he had an instant impact. He was on the pitch for maybe 35 seconds and he was already deeply involved in the play. He gets the goal 4-2, game over, done. However, Bruno scores from a, no, not Bruno, Bruno free kick from wide. This is probably deep into stoppage time. Game's over. United don't really have the urgency or probably the ability, the belief to think that, hey, they could steal something from this game. Uh, Bruno had a wide free kick. Casemiro finishes. So Casemiro ends up with two goals. Uh, United score three on the day, and they still lose at the Allianz Arena. Just awful stuff for them all around and it never felt as though they were going to win the game at no point did it feel like this was even an even contest it was pretty much Bayern just giving them opportunities and wasting opportunities uh I believe United play Burnley on the weekend that's got to be three points if they don't get three points from that game full-on crisis I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Eric Ten Hag and the lads there should be a lot of pressure on them as is. However, uh, it's it's still pretty early in the season, so there's no reason to go full-on panic button. But if they were to lose against Burnley, oh my goodness gracious me. I don't know if they're playing at Turf Moor or not, but if Burnley were to ever beat a United team, this is probably the United team to beat. Uh, moving onwards uh, to... Two teams going, it seemingly looked like they were going in the same direction. But uh, the game on Sunday, or what's it, Saturday, it, or the game on Saturday showed that hey, the, these two are not, they're not, they shouldn't have even been on the same pitch that day. And this is the Milan derby. I did say I was looking forward to this game. And my word, this was an interesting one. Uh, Inter versus Milan. So they both come into the game having won uh, their first three games. Milan looked really, really good. I said against Roma, they completely dominated them, which considering the end result of this game, I have to question Roma. I don't know what the fuck they were up to that day. And Inter hadn't conceded a goal going into this game. So it was a very, very early early season uh, potential title decider, uh, title six-pointer, and Inter were right up for it. Uh, this year, going into the semifinals of the Champions League, um, I believe they played in the Coppa Italia as well, as well as in the league. Inter have had them on toast. Inter, they smacked them around in the Champions League semis. Um, they beat them comprehensively about four times this this year in the calendar year going into this one you would assume that milan would have a, a chip on their shoulder you would assume that they would up their game this is their biggest rival but it was not to be marcus turam take a fucking bow he harassed the shit out of portiao um I don't... Uh, Tiao had, had a, a bit of a nightmare in this game. And it started really, really early. Marcus Turam bullies this guy. Um, he beats him physically. He beats him for sheer pace and intensity and strength down the right-hand wing. He fashions an opportunity. It comes back to him. And then Turam puts the ball back into the box. And Mikatarian, shout out to you. 
the shot falls to him. He puts the ball into the back of the net, 1-0 to Inter. And Inter, they they were swarming forward almost at will. Very, very early exchanges. They were on top. Uh, there was a, a, a really good header from Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan could have had a hat-trick in this game very easily. They... Their midfield just overran them. Uh, I've said it before. Nicolo Barella, phenomenal player. Oh, my goodness. I think he's one of the few world-class players um, playing for Inter. Uh, I, I wouldn't say Lotaro Martinez is world-class, uh, but Nicolo Barella, world-class player. Um, f- fantastic. I would have loved to see him at Liverpool, but we've got a Sobozlai, so we don't need him anymore. But, man, what a player. Uh, uh Teo Hernandez was the only one really uh, offering any threat because Rafael Liao had a really poor game. I think he was even worse in the second half than in the first half. He was very wasteful uh, in a lot of their opportunities. That seems to have been a theme this week. I will. Uh, I am alluding to their game after this one. But yeah, he, he, he just wasn't. He wasn't at his best, and if Rafael Liao isn't clicking, if he isn't firing, that Milan front line is a little bit toothless because Giroud's not going to do it on his own. He's never been the guy to do it on his own. He can link up, play fantastically, uh, but he, he's just not that guy. And I believe Chukumez, uh no, 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 uh, Pulisic started the game, uh, and he was also ineffective. So they were toothless up top, and... Inter just sat back, they sucked up the pressure, and they hit them on the counter, and it worked every single time. Uh, Milan's back line, were, they, they were way too high up. And Tiao didn't look comfortable going up against uh, Turam. And speaking of the devil, Inter countered. Um, it was a 2v2. Dumfries passed it to Turam. Really good early pass. Sometimes on those counters, guys hold on to the ball too long. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of that in the Champions League. In the, in the Europa League, in leagues, you just see it time and time again whereby guys either make the wrong decision or they hold on to the ball too long. Once they burst past, they get past the midfield and they're running at the back line. You just see it all the time. But you must assume that either these guys aren't that good or it's early season. And early season, we see a lot of silly mistakes, a lot of poor decision-making, fitness worries, so on and so forth, that should should be ironed out in the next month or so. And Dumfries passes the ball to Turam. Turam, put, uh, what a finish, just gorgeous finish, 2-0 to Inter. He puts it, you couldn't place it better if you were to walk with your hand to the goal and just put it in the top corner. You couldn't place it better. Excellent finish from Marcus Turam. Um, really announcing himself as the the replacement for Lukaku over there at Inter. Um, however, Milan did pull one back, uh, a ball from Giroud to Rafael Diaw. Very simple finish. Uh, a nice little through ball. Very nice little through ball. I did... I, I did just say that Liao wasn't very good in this game and he wasn't but this was one of the few opportunities that he did take um outside of that he was kind of wasteful wasteful in possession wasteful with his decision making um and these these kinds of things happen so we've seen Rafael Liao he's he's been a fantastic player I've I spoke of him highly probably last week so you know, we can excuse a bad game here and there. It happens. Unfortunately for Milan, this was up against their great rivals in the derby. Just awful stuff for them. 
However, at this point, it's 2-1. You're thinking, all right, Milan haven't been great. They've been actually really, really poor. We're going into, this is the second half. Something could happen. Maybe they could turn the corner. It wasn't to be. Uh, into the passing, especially once they won the ball in their own half and they could just pass through a very lightly packed defense for Milan. The passing play was fantastic. A switch to Lotaro. Lotaro uh, cuts it back to Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, boom, 3-1 there on a hat-trick. Uh, later on, Teo Hernandez, uh, or, yeah, Teo, he concedes a penalty. Chanahoglu scores it 4-1, and then in stoppage time, uh, the Fratesi finishes uh, Milan off 5-1. I believe that's their biggest loss since like 2003, 2001, something like that in over 20 years in the derby. From, uh, no, the biggest loss by either team in the derby since about 2001 or something. And I believe Milan beat Inter. Uh, and Inter have now won the derby five times in a row. Five times in a row this year, Inter Milan have beaten Milan just a mess for them uh and coming to into the game i mean both teams had won their first three games and you're thinking all right this is going to be a great race these two are probably going to be the two main title contenders but inter laid the smack down milan got oh man they they got their teeth kicked in here it it wasn't it wasn't cute it wasn't funny it was just an old school beat down on the football pitch and Inter looks scary good. Uh, they could, considering that they went all the way to the Champions League final last year, considering that they did win the league uh, in recent memory, they should probably be favorites for the Serie A title. And they could be dark horses for the Champions League. If you think about it, who, who are the big contenders for the Champions League this season? Man City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. Is a probably it. Uh, do we think Barca can do it considering how poor they were in Europe in general last season? Maybe, possibly, who knows? We'll see. Uh, any of the other English teams, Arsenal, I mean, Europe, Europe and Arsenal just don't mix. They're like oil and water. I don't know why that is. Sometimes Arsenal, I mean, the Invincibles couldn't do it. Uh, the peak Arsene Wenger Arsenals just couldn't do it. Can Arteta get them over the line? In the Champions League, they started great. They did win 4-0 Starboy on the on the scoring sheets. Uh, Gabriel Jesus scoring goals, Trossard scoring. Great stuff for them. They beat PSV Eindhoven in their Champions League opener. I don't know. I, 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 I would not back Arsenal to win the Champions League, uh, especially with teams like Man City in there, Bayern, so on and so forth. No. Uh Inter could be a sneaky shot, a very sneaky shot. Inter, Napoli as well. They they were monsters last season. They haven't been as good. They haven't started as well this year, but they should be up there. They've kept their two main star players, even though they did let uh, Kim Min Jae go. Um, but they should they should be they could be there and thereabouts. We'll, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how things progress. But I, I think Inter could be a sneaky one, very very sneaky one. Moving on to Newcastle. Newcastle's first game in the Champions League in 20 years. Uh, they had the pleasure to go to San Siro. And this game was about as one-sided as it gets for being a nil-nil. Um, 
Milan completely controlled the possession, completely dominated the play. Uh, I believe if they had a better result in the derby, if they had maybe, if it was a 1-1 or if they had won that game, I think they'd roll into this game and they'd probably beat Newcastle 3-0 because Newcastle, they were not ambitious at all. They they just, they sat back and they said, okay, listen, we're just going to chill. And Milan had the ball at will. They just couldn't break down this this Newcastle team. Uh, they, like I said, they were they were toothless in the game against Inter, and they were toothless in this game. And if they had just one or two things went their way, they probably win this game three 0 It was quite easy for them, surprisingly easy. I thought Newcastle would try and hit them on the break. They never really had any great counter attacking opportunities from what I saw, and. It ended 0-0. I think Newcastle will probably be pretty happy with the point coming away from San Siro, but they're going to need to figure something out because that that tactic isn't going to work against Kylian Mbappe. I mean, it might, but even if they were to shithouse their way to six draws, six points never gets you into the groups, into the knockout phase. And I think a great return for them would be to get to the knockout phase. So we'll see how they play at St. James's Park. I believe I'm not 100% sure what their next fixture is in the in the Champions League, but they should be playing at St. James's Park soon. That atmosphere is going to buoy them on. They won't be allowed to be as defensive when those Geordies get going. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, we'll see what happens in there. And in the other game in the group of death, PSG up against Dortmund. Uh, PSG dominated possession. Vitinha looked like a tidy, a tidy little footballer there. He was pulling the strings. He was quite creative, quite uh, threatening. He was he was playing a lot of interesting passes. They swapped out because the meme has been for a couple of years that PSG have had unbelievable attacking talent. Obviously, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. But their midfield was awful. So they've done quite a bit to get in these new midfielders. Uh, Utgard, who played as a six, he comes from Sporting. Uh, Vitinha, he, uh, I don't know if they got him last season or this this summer, last summer or this summer. But he's relatively new as well as this young kid um, who he played last season in the Champions League. But um, uh, Emer Heller, something like that, seventeen-year-old uh, kid. He's he's a youngin. Uh, so they've they have a lot of youth in there, a lot of legs that you're going to need if Mbappe just walks up and down the pitch uh, on defense. Understandably so, because Messi started walking around this age as well. He's Mbappe is not as good as Messi. He's not as successful as Messi, especially in a club level, but. For great talents, you have to, you kind of have to make, you you make sacrifices for great talents. And Mbappe is a great fucking talent. Uh, Dortmund, they sat deep. You don't often see these German teams sit deep. In the Bundesliga, I believe they have more goals in general than Premier League or La Liga because teams play higher up the pitch. They come out and play. Uh, and it was kind of surprising to see uh, Dortmund sit deep. They managed PSG qu- quite well. PSG obviously dominated the possession at um, in Paris. Um, 
but in the second half, so it went nil-nil in the first half, no really great opportunities or anything like that. Uh, Dortmund did concede a penalty in early in the second half, which kind of it fucked them up. Um, and Mbappe converts, obviously. Kylian Mbappe, the guy who scores three fucking penalties in the World Cup final. He, for a Champions League group stage, that's nothing for him. He converts it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, Paris are rolling. And Vitinha to kill off uh, Dortmund in this one. Uh, like I said, very, very tidy footballer. His touches were good. He he had a pretty good game. He was a standout player for me on the pitch. Outside of Kylian Mbappe, everything runs through him. Uh, he created the opportunity for Hakimi. Hakimi, excellent little cutback. And then outside of the boot, finished 2-0. PSG win. They're off to a flyer. They started their group stage with a win. Good for them. I I think there's a lot of potential with that new front three of theirs. Kolomwani as the nine, Kylian Mbappe obviously on the left wing, and Usman Dembele on the right. If Dembele can stay fit, how many times over the past six years has that been said? If Dembele can stay fit, he's pretty much a world-class player. He's, he's close to unstoppable if he's fit. And Barca at their best last season, Dembele was in the team and he was fit. Uh, PSG, I don't think they'll have the defensive ability to really challenge for the for the Champions League this season. Uh, their midfield is going to have to settle extremely quickly. I don't know if, if you can start a midfield with a 17-year-old and win the Champions League. Who knows? But I think that front three is going to be really exciting. I think there's a lot to be excited about if you are a fan of PSG or if you watch French football. They've started poorly in the league, but that's not an issue. They they could start and lose 10 games in a row and probably still win the league. Uh, that's a ridiculous statement, but it's probably true. In any case, uh, to wrap up, uh, I haven't done, I didn't do a play of the week last week. Uh, I was probably going to be extremely biased and say someone like Mohamed Salah, but this week, my player of the week is Marcus Turam. Round of applause. Uh, excellent performance. He essentially set the tempo for Inter in this game uh, against Milan in the derby. Big game, big early season title clash. And he comes out and he completely bullies uh, Tiao. He sets the tone and he scores an absolute worldie. On top of it, in his first ever Milan derby, big move um, to go from Germany to Italy, to the second biggest club in Italy, who might just be the best team in Italy this year. Player of the week, Marcus Turam. Congratulations, my guy. Shout out. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and thems, that wraps it up. There's the North London derby this weekend on Saturday, Liverpool play West Ham at Anfield. Um, I heard Mikel Antonio was talking shit. Curious to see. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is real or fake news, but apparently he said that he thinks West Ham are going to finish above Liverpool. We'll see what happens. Uh, also, Liverpool, we did win our first game away in Austria against Lask. Darwin Nunes, uh, uh, Salah and Luis Diaz all on the score sheet. Um, but we conceded first again. We we need to cut that shit out. In any case, um, looking forward to the weekend. Also, Madrid derby as well on Sunday. Good games on Sunday. 
uh, and that pretty much wraps it up ladies and gentlemen days and thems i hope you have a magnificent day when this podcast reaches your ears and take care